Butts and Guts, a Cleveland Clinic podcast exploring your digestive and surgical health from end to end. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Butts and Guts. I'm your host, Scott Steele, the chair of colorectal surgery here at the Cleveland Clinic in beautiful Cleveland, Ohio. Very pleased to have one of the newest members of our staff, Dr. Bradford Sklau, who's a colorectal surgeon here in the Department of Colorectal Surgery at Cleveland Clinic's Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute. Brad, welcome to Butts and Guts. Thank you. Glad to be here. So for uh, all of our guests, what we'd like to start off first is tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're born, where you're from, where'd you train, and how did it come to the point that you're here at the Cleveland Clinic? Well, I uh, was born in New York, grew up in uh, New Jersey. Uh, I trained at the University of Wisconsin and then uh, did my fellowship uh, at WashU Colorectal Surgery. Uh, I then spent some time in Cincinnati, my first job out at the university there, and then University of Utah, um, then a private practice at the University of Minnesota, affiliated, and then um, now in Cleveland. And I had the wonderful opportunity to be a medical student underneath you when you were a resident. Go Badgers. So, Brad, today we're going to talk a little bit about robotics in colorectal surgery. So let's start off a little bit high level. Talk about the different types of conditions that you would say colorectal surgery that robotics would have a, uh, have a place in. I think uh, robotics really shines in the pelvis. So most operations uh, in colorectal that you would operate on the pelvis, such as rectal cancer, uh, rectal prolapse surgery, diverticulitis, or sigmoid uh, resection, those kind of things, since you're operating only in a single quadrant. When you start operating in multiple quadrants, uh, it gets a little bit more difficult uh, using the robot. So, Brad, take us behind the scenes at actually what it means to have a robotic use in, uh, in the operating room. You know, we see maybe a couple images on TV or uh, maybe in the movies, but what is it actually that you're doing? What's the robot doing? Where are you? How does all this occur in the operating room? So, really, the, the robot is a tool to perform a minimally invasive procedure such as laparoscopic surgery. The difference uh, with the robot is you have wristed instruments. So it's kind of like having a hand in there with a wrist rather than straight chopsticks uh, as we operate with laparoscopic surgery. Uh, it consists of two different pieces of equipment. And there is a cart that's docked to the patient where the instruments go into. And then the surgeon actually sits at a console uh, in the corner of the room and controls the arm, the robotic arms inside the patient. And there's always somebody at the bedside assisting and helping out as well. So let's just play that scene. How far away are you? Can you get to the patient quickly if you need You're in the same room, usually maybe 10, 15 feet away. You could be in a different room, but most of the time you're in the same room. If anything happens, you can be at the patient's bedside literally within seconds. So uh, you're, you're right there. So when we talk about robotic surgery and we talk about the benefits, let's break them up into benefits for the patient and then benefits potentially for the team or even from the surgeon. How, how do you break that out? That's a very good question. So I think for the patient, the robot has allowed us to do uh, minimally invasive, say, rectal cancer surgery in patients that otherwise uh, may have required an open operation we do know that performing laparoscopic surgery in the pelvis for rectal cancer is technically difficult and challenging. Uh, the robot uh, has enabled us to do some of those operations that otherwise would have been a big incision. 
The other advantage, obviously, is a much smaller incision for the patient, less pain, quicker recovery, shorter hospital stay, uh, just like laparoscopic surgery. Uh, especially in male patients that might be obese, uh, the robot uh, really shines in the pelvis because you have robotic strength for retraction that you don't necessarily have when you're doing straight laparoscopic surgery. As far uh, as a benefit to the surgeon, uh, you're not standing. You're actually sitting at a, at a console. It's more comfortable. You have better visualization because you're using a binocular uh, camera that almost gives you a 3D image, which I think is superior uh, than just straight laparoscopic surgery. And you have a fixed camera platform in the pelvis uh, that you control at the console that you're not having somebody else drive the camera, uh, which can be somewhat frustrating if you have an inexperienced camera driver. So let's play a game that I like to call truth or myth. Truth or myth. If you have robotic surgery, you will not have any large incisions on your abdomen. Define large. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger than just the, uh, the trocars used in order to get the instruments in. If they're going to undergo colorectal surgery, are they going to have any incisions on their belly? That's a myth. So you have to still make, with some exceptions, you have to make an incision to extract the specimen. You can't squeeze a colon out of a one centimeter incision like you can squeeze a gallbladder out of a small incision. So you're making a, an incision anywhere from uh, three to five centimeters, which equals uh, inch and a half to three inches. Truth or myth, my stay in the hospital, if I undergo robotic surgery, is going to be shorter compared to either laparoscopy or open surgery? Unclear. So there are people that will state that, but uh, I don't think the, the data is there to say that's true. I think certainly compared to open surgery, uh, robotic surgery is shorter length of stay, just like laparoscopy. But to say that patients go home sooner after a robot compared to laparoscopy remains to be seen. Truth or myth, there are colorectal surgery procedures that cannot be performed with robotics. True. So I would say that patients who've had previous open surgery or multiple open surgeries before who've had a lot of scar tissue or adhesions are often not the best candidate for robotic surgery. I would say recurrent rectal cancer where uh, you have big vascular structures involved and potentially could lead to a lot of blood loss is not a good operation for robotic surgery. Let's look at it a little bit different way now, Brad. So are there surgeries that you would say that they must be performed robotically? I would say uh, no. There's no must, I think, in surgery. I think there are surgeries that can be performed robotically and allow you to do a minimally invasive approach as opposed to a big open incision. As far as cancer goes now, when it comes to rectal prolapse surgery, such as the ventral rectopexy, in the United States, it's very difficult to sew laparoscopically. Uh, and the robot has enabled us to do that much more easily because of the wristed instruments. So when it comes to, say, performing a ventral rectopexy for rectal prolapse surgery, that's one operation where you could use the word must perform robotically as we're not 
great at sewing laparoscopically as colorectal surgeons as they are in Europe. So I would say that everybody is encouraged to listen to some past episodes of Butts and Guts to learn a little bit more about rectal prolapse and what the uh, ventral rectopexy involves and can give a little bit of insight there. So, Brad, as we're talking a little bit about this, is robotic surgery appropriate for every patient? Let's just say I'm a patient out there. Do I need to be searching for a doctor that only does robotic surgery? I know you kind of touched on this, but there's some pretty darn good surgeons here at the Cleveland Clinic and around the world that don't do robotic surgery. Um, are we just behind the times, or is it something that is still just one tool in the armamentarium that can have a good fit for some people and maybe not for others? I think it really depends on the operation that the patient's going to have uh, what they're, and what they're seeking out. So if you, say, have a cancer in the right colon, should you seek out a robotic surgeon to have a minimally invasive right colon operation on the robot? I would say probably not. I think the laparoscopic uh, approach to that operation is great and probably don't need the robot for that. On the other hand, if uh, you have a rectal cancer, and uh, you want it done minimally invasive, there are uh, surgeons who can't do that laparoscopically. And that's the scenario where you may want to seek out a robotic surgeon. Uh, But there are great surgeons at the Cleveland Clinic who do plenty of laparoscopic uh, surgery, uh, both in the pelvis and in the abdomen. So you don't necessarily have to have a robotic operation. Let's talk a little bit about kind of the world in which we live in today. Uh, can you get to discuss a little bit about uh, coming into the Cleveland Clinic during this time of a pandemic? Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the, the precautions that the clinic has taken, you are taking personally, to make sure that caregivers and patients alike are safe? And, and do you have to come in for all of your appointments, or can it be done virtually? You certainly don't have to come in uh, for all uh, appointments. A lot of appointments can be done as a so-called virtual or video visit. If it involves an examination, then you should come in for that. If it's something that we can't see per on video, uh, then obviously an in-person visit would be indicated. And they've taken lots of precautions as far as that. There's social distancing in the waiting room. Uh, everyone is required uh, to wear a mask, both patients and providers. Uh, everything is wiped down uh, between patients. Uh, we, we keep social distancing in the clinics uh, as well. Uh, we test every patient for um, the coronavirus before they undergo elective surgery. Uh, so patients should feel confident that uh, we've done everything we possibly can to make this uh, safe and comfortable visit for them. So, Brad, I want you to look into the future and say, well, what do you feel uh, maybe on the horizon in regards to future use? or even research or expansion of the use of robotics for colorectal surgery? I think that as more robotic platforms are released and approved, that the cost of doing robotic surgery will uh, decrease. So as uh, there's more competition, hopefully the cost per procedure will go down, uh, comparable to doing laparoscopic surgery. I see using the robot uh, in the future, but I think the big limiting factor is cost of the equipment to acquire and cost per procedure, uh, which hopefully will decrease with time. That's fantastic. And I know that we're even experimenting with some protocols for learning to do some transanal procedures uh, and select patients uh, using a robotic platform. So let's take this time right now to get to know you a little bit better with some quick hitters. Number one, what's your favorite sport? Baseball. 
Number two, what's your favorite meal? Pasta bolognese. Number three, give us a probably favorite place that you've traveled to in the last few years. The Maldives. What is your last non-medical book that you've read? Shadow Divers, about a German U-boat that was found off the coast of New Jersey uh, and two scuba divers uh, exploring it. A U-boat that should never have been there in the first place. And the last one, uh, you're relatively new to Cleveland, but tell us something in the, in the short time you've, you've been here that you enjoy about this area. Well, prior to COVID-19, uh, the food scene, I think, is excellent for a city of this size. And the lack of traffic. Uh, my commute is um, eons better than where I came from. Fantastic. Well, let's give us a final take-home message for our listeners regarding colorectal surgery and robotic use. Uh, I think uh, the robot is a great tool to perform minimally invasive surgery, especially in the pelvis. Anecdotally, uh, patients seem to do fairly well with not a lot of pain. They don't take a lot of narcotics. And that, that's true about laparoscopic surgery as well. But uh, it gives us a great platform for operating on the pelvis. Uh, it's very comfortable for the surgeon. And uh, it's not going away despite its increased cost. So I think it, it has to be in our armamentarium. Uh, as colorectal surgeons. Well, tremendous insight. And so to learn more about colorectal surgery and the various treatment options here at the Cleveland Clinic, please visit clevelandclinic.org slash colorectal surgery. That's clevelandclinic.org slash colorectal surgery, all one word. And to speak with a specialist in the Digestive Disease and Surgery Institute, please call 216-444-7000. That's 216 444 and remember, in times like these, it's important to keep up with your medical care, and you can be rest assured that at Cleveland Clinic, we're taking all the necessary precautions to sterilize our facilities and protect all of our patients. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on Butts and Guts. Thanks for having me. That wraps things up here at Cleveland Clinic. Until next time, thanks for listening to Butts and Guts. 